0: You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey guys, it is good to be back. Uh, Last week was my first week back after being out of town for four weeks or really out of the pulpit. I wasn't necessarily out of town that whole time, but being away from the pulpit for four weeks uh, and I gave y'all like a 45-minute message so you're welcome. Um, last week uh, <laughs> some of y'all came back for more. God bless y'all uh, on that front. Uh, one of the things that uh, kind of God impressed on me throughout the course of my sabbatical um, was getting back to first things. Kind of coming back to the basics of our faith. Uh, I feel oftentimes we struggle with objectives that we set for ourselves as a church or as individuals because our foundation isn't as steady as it should be. So last week we talked about the foundation of our faith. The very lowest foundation of our faith uh, begins in, in who is God, right? And we went through kind of who God was, that he's holy, he's uh, good, he's the creator, he's sovereign, um, he's just, but he's loving, right? This whole attributes of who, who is God. Um, and then our response to that uh, is that we should want to worship and glorify God, right? That should, should come out of our hearts because of who God is. Today we're going to move on to the second kind of thing when we get down to the foundations of our faith. If we understand who God is, then we need to turn our eyes to who we are, right? Who, who are you? Who, who is mankind? What is, what is this human race? All about what makes us special or different. Um, what what is it about us? You know, we have a confusing view of humanity. I was I went to a movie last night with the youth. We saw Jurassic World, um, dinosaurs running around the world. I, I missed the I guess I missed the movie before this because um, they're just dinosaurs walking around and people were petting them by a lake. I was like, this does not seem right. Um, I'm very anti-dinosaur, so like if there were dinosaurs that we brought back from extinction, I'm pro-extermination, okay? I think we should kill them all, Um, but maybe the previous movie made it clear why we shouldn't kill all the dinosaurs. I don't know, Um, but something was said in that movie that jumped out at me um, by the the Jeff Goldblum character there, the kind of finicky, weird uh, guy there, And, and he said, you know... Uh, that, that dinosaurs have existed for millions of years, and, and, and that was just a, a brief blip of time, and humans, for an even briefer blip of time, he's like, and humans have this misguided belief that they have dominion, right? That they have dominion, that they have some special charge to be in control of things. And my ears, which are biblically attuned, are like, no, no, we do have dominion. See, see the world tries to tell us that you're no different than any other creature out there, right? Where there's somewhere they're fighting for the human rights for an elephant. I see this occasionally show up. There's an elephant. They're trying to see whether or not they convey human rights to an elephant uh, so that it'll be treated humanely, or I don't really know what the purpose of this (coughs) debate is about, but I can tell you an elephant isn't a person. An elephant doesn't have the same rights as a person, should not be conferred the same rights as a person. We are uniquely and specially made as part of God's creation. And while the world may tell you that you're just a slightly more evolved primate than the gorilla, right? You're just slightly more evolved than the chimpanzee, you're just slightly more evolved or you took a different path than the dolphin, right? But 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 you're just 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 above them on some evolutionary chain. I, I'm here to tell you that is not the story of the Bible. There is not the truth of who God made you. To be, and So to understand who we are, we begin at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I took a drink before and something went down sideways. It says uh, in, in Genesis 1, God is making the world. This is day 6 of creation. And verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, again, dominion, Over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and everything that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. (coughs) Man, alive. I apologize. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed. (coughs) Man, I got kids running around trying to get me water. It is awkward up here when you got something right here and you can't get it out. Ooh, okay. Um, And God saw, I'll jump down to verse uh, 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was good. Look at that, a water bottle in the room. Brian Price, you win the award. Oh, Maggie? No? Brooke? It's just moving up from wherever. Maybe? Verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. there There was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Okay. So as we see in Genesis 1, there's a few things that God tells us about who you are. The first thing... That we see, and it's probably the most important thing that you need to understand about who you are, is that you were indeed created. Right? You are not some accident, but you are also not some author of your own destiny. You are a created being by a creative God. That God set out, great, now I got two, I'll be double fisting and it. it'll be great. Thank you, Hannah. You're my number one daughter, okay? Even though, happy Father's Day. (laughs) Last week, uh, if you weren't here, none of my children except one remembered to tell me happy Father's Day uh, until I got up here. And then they all remembered as I reminded them in the middle of the sermon. Um, But you're a created being. And so there's a couple things you need to learn about being created. First is um, that, that you are special. God made you with purpose. You aren't an accident. You aren't some, like, just mishap between two people somewhere along the way, right? God, you know, if you you read, it says, you know, before, uh, you know, I I knew you before you were formed. I knit you together in your mother's womb, right? God knows who you are, right? And a lot of times we don't like what we see. Uh, I did a lot of youth ministry for a lot of years. And a lot of people have real issues with what they see. They look in the mirror, or they look at social media, and they look around, and they say, I don't measure up. To what I want to be. I don't meet some standard of what I want to be, but I want you to know God made you exactly the way that you're supposed to be. You are created with a special purpose that God has placed on your life. And no one else, not me, not anyone else in this room, no one else in the world, can fill the role that God has placed you to fit inside of. You are a unique creation. Special by God. And God, after He made everything else, set out to make mankind, right? Because He cared about us. But also, that means that we have to work under the authority of the Creator. Right? The book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 18, I won't go there, but, but it's a story of the, of the potter and the clay. Right? And you have this idea that, that, that there's a, a potter and he's making stuff. In the, right? right? He, he, the clay doesn't have any right to look at the potter and say, I don't, I don't want to be... This, right? God is, is, is making you to be something. He's making you to be something. And you may not like what God made you to be. Right? You may not enjoy the role that God has put you through. You may, you may think that God made a mistake, but, but you were made purposefully. And you don't get to rebel against what you were made to be because you think you know better. You don't. You are created. And you will always be subordinate to the Creator. Which should give us like a little freedom. right? A little freedom inside of ourselves. To know that we can just be who God has made us to be. And we don't have to worry about being something other than what we're supposed to be. The second thing that we see in Genesis 1 is that we, we bear the image of God. He said, let us make man in our image. Genesis 1.26 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Because it's what separates you, humans from everything else that God made, right? The reason that the elephant should not be conferred human rights is because the elephant was not made in the image of God, right? The reason that the chimpanzee shouldn't get some special human rights is because the chimpanzee is not made in the image of God. That's not to say that we should abuse the elephants. Uh, my my uh, son, my little uh, four-year-old, has a book, and it's... a uh, I think it's called Put Me in the Zoo by Robert Lopshire. I don't know if anyone knows this book. It's like a Dr. Seuss style book by a knockoff Dr. Seuss. <coughs> Man. That book is one of the most surreal books for me reading in my current context. You have this like dog that can do magic tricks and he wants to live in the zoo. And I'm like, I don't think the zoo's where you want to be. <coughs> right? I mean, they do take care of the animals, but it's a zoo, right? It's a Pretty confined living. On the end of the book, after he does all these magic tricks and <clears> he <throat> proves him to be such a wonderful thing, the children who are saying, like, What can you do? They're like, You know, like, you, you would do great in the zoo, but you should not be in the zoo. And they're like, Yeah, you shouldn't be in the zoo. Don't live a confined life. It, it, but instead of that, they say, No, the circus is the place for you. And I was like, Whoa, circus animals gotta be the worst life on earth. I mean, I can't think of a worse life. Right, I I don't think that we should treat animals with respect. You go to the circus, I remember I went, I somehow ended up like in the back area of a circus one time, and I was like, ooh, this is a sad place to be. You know, the animals are all pretty pinned up. I'm like, this is not fun at all. And so when I say that animals don't have human rights, I'm not saying that we should treat animals carelessly or callously or that we shouldn't care. In fact, one of the charges that you have as an image bearer of God is to be a dominion keeper over what God has made including the animals and the birds and everything else out there. What does it mean to be an image bearer? Well, it usually connotes three things, that we are like God. It doesn't mean we look like God, right? I mean, like, some of you may look at me and be like, Matt has the body of a God. I mean, I do. I mean, Buddha, a little bit. Me and him are really, really pushing together slowly and surely. We're getting there, right? Uh, but, but, but it's not about my physical attributes. I don't look like God because, as we know, God is spirit, right? He's not, he's not a human, um, he doesn't have human form uh, in his nature. That's not who he was till he took on flesh in Jesus, obviously. Um, so what does it mean to be an image bearer? It doesn't mean you look like God, or it means your likenesses are something else. It means you have a mental likeness to God. There's something about the way our minds are working, right? That, that, that the rest of creation doesn't work like that. God put in us a brain that is a magnificent, like shining thing, about about God. Right? God is creative and then he puts in our brains the ability to create. I mean this building, this amazing structure that we sit in today, some guy somewhere once upon a time said, We can we can make this whole thing open, no columns, and it'll just be supported by the outside. And we'll have these big beams that go around. And he just thought it up. Right? Now he might have been working on someone else's thoughts from, you know, six decades before him. But somewhere along the way, in the mind of some person, the ability to create this sort of structure just struck them. We're a creative people, and that's part of who God is, right? God is a creator, and inside of us, part of the image bearer that we have is our minds have the ability to do things that no other mind on earth has to do. Because God put that on us, this ability to be creative. It also means that we have morality. That's the other thing. We have a mental likeness to God. We also have a moral likeness to God. We make moral judgments, right? We're able to say good and bad, right? And we're not always great at this, right? Our, our judgment is sometimes impaired, but we're a moral people, right? We make laws based around morality oftentimes, right? This is immoral, so we should not do this, right? Why, why should I not be allowed to just steal Janet Vaughn's skid Right? Why shouldn't I be allowed to steal it? Well, it's because it's hurt what Herbie's, but like it's, it's their skin steer. I can't just take their stuff. That's wrong. Right? Well, what makes it wrong? Well, the state says it's wrong. Well, why is it wrong? Because, dang it, it's wrong. Stop asking stupid questions. It's clearly wrong. You know it's wrong, right? Because we have a morality inside of us. We know, to some degree, right and wrong. right? So we're able to be this moral being. I, I don't think in the animal kingdom... Right, if one monkey has a stick and other monkey wants stick, he's not like, Well, you know, you already kind of had ownership of the stick. And so we go to a lawyer, lawyer monkey, and it may be pretty close, honestly. I'm not sure. <laughs> we got a lawyer monkey. We got a contract made up here to see how we can, uh, you know, get the ownership to stick A over here to me. What's it gonna take? How many bananas? How many, you know, flings of poo? What's it gonna take to get me? The stick. They don't care. They don't have contract law. They don't do any of that. They just do. I want your stick. I'll take it. Right? It's not not too far from toddlers, right? When they see something, they take it, right? I mean, it, it, we, but we have a morality in us. That's part of what makes us uh, image bearers of God, right? That we, we have this this moral sense. We also are social. You know, God is a social God, right? The the, the nature of God is Trinity. That He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Inside of Himself, He's social. Right? He has interactions inside of, just inside the Godhead. There's this, there's this social dynamic, and we are made to be social people. The reason the church gathers, and we don't just do private Bible studies, we're made to live in society. The reason towns are formed, the reason that cities are made and nations are made are because we're social people. God is a social God. He's a personal God, and we're social as well. You're an image-bearer of God, and that means you're special. You're special. That means every person... Is special, Even the person whose mental, moral, and social standards seem deficient in every single way. They bear on them the mark, the likeness of God. The image of God is present there. And so we cherish even those tough cases. We're also at the end of that verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1. It says... You know, God looked upon everything He had made. And this is after He created man and woman in His image. And He said, you know, after He made light, it was good. After He made the, the, the moon and the sun, it was good. After He made the water and the sky, it was good. And after He made all of it, and he, after He finished with human beings, at the end of the sixth day, He looked back and He said, this is it's not good. It's very good. It's goodly good. <coughs> Guys, you are uh, not... You're you're not just a part of this. You are the crown jewel of God's creation. When God was done creating, He spit out Adam and He spit out Eve and He stood back and He said, This is very good. You may not feel very good today and that's because Genesis chapter 3 comes right after this. Right, And it doesn't take us long to become very bad. But when God made us, In the very beginning you were created and God stood back and he said that is the goodest of good that I've done. It's very good. And God was proud and pleased with the work that he did. So proud that he took a day off. And rested the next day. You ever do that? You finish a job and you say man I did so good and you just step back. Why don't you just step back and and admire what I did. I'm going to (laughs) rest from work Today, But then Genesis chapter 3 does come. Most of you are familiar with Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to give it to you as an overview, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that. God put Adam and Eve in a garden. Uh, He placed them there for their good, and they were called to uh, care for the garden, and to take care of it and to tend it, and the garden would provide for them. Man. Provide for them as well. Um, But... After they did all of that, after they were in the garden for a while, they had one rule, and they broke the one rule. Don't eat from this specific tree. See the tree, take the tree, eat the tree. There's a snake involved as well. Not going to get into all of that, but, but what, what happens when sin enters the world, when we choose, willfully choose sin, all of this goodness that God made became corrupted with badness. And so you wonder why the world isn't good. You wonder why we have darkness in, in, in places in the world. Right, Man, that's just... Just filthy darkness out there. The reason for all of that is because it's not really good anymore. It's broken. And it's so completely broken. We're going to pick up in verse, uh, I don't know, 22 of Genesis chapter 3. This is after God has given the punishments to the man. He's given punishments to the woman. He's given punishments to the snake. And then we get this kind of closing part of Genesis chapter 3. It says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So so what happened was we chose to sin and we broke everything. And everything became broken. Not only was everything broken... We got lost in that same moment. We were found. God put us exactly where we were supposed to be. You're in this garden. You're exactly where you need to be. And he says, now you're not. Now you're lost. Just get out there. Away from this. Now you got to work. Now you got to till the ground. Now you got to work real hard. The ground's not just going to give you food, but you've got to leave here. And mankind wandered lost for centuries. And the story of the Bible, as if you were here Wednesday nights, I told you the story of the Bible is God trying to work our redemption out through the lostness that we were in. But guys, we were lost. All of us were born naturally lost. The doctrine of original sin. We have a a new little baby, newest baby in the church back there for at least a week or so. uh, Is little little Samuel, not L. Rowan. And, uh, and and Samuel rolling back there. Like, like he's, he's precious. I mean, just, I mean, he's even quiet right now. Good job, Taylor. Um, just, just a precious baby, right? I mean, he's so cute and lovely. But, but guys, the, the doctrine of original sin is real. Like, like, he's just born into sin. It's not his fault. It's just who we are. We broke everything, right? Well, our choice back in the garden, our ancestor's choice back in the garden broke everything. He's born into sin, born with a nature to sin, born with an inclination to sin, now, how does God handle babies and eternal? I'm not dealing with that right now. But just know like, we're broken when we enter this world. Just give him two years, and then he'll walk around, and you'll be like, oh, I see the sinful kid. Like, you don't teach a two-year-old to lie. They just do it. You don't teach them to hit. Right? Most of us don't teach our kids to hit, teenagers, right? <laughs> but they just do it, right? Because they're, they're, we're born... Into sin, we're kind of broke and we're lost and that's a big part of who we are that's a huge part of who we are, we were made to be something but then we broke all of that and some of you are like, that's not fair because I wasn't in the garden if I had been in the garden if me Matt Higginbotham, if I had been in the garden we'd still be there we'd still be there no you would not Do you know how I know we wouldn't be in the garden if you were the one in the garden? Because you have made some terrible decisions. I mean, just absolutely sinful decisions, right? You have chosen wickedness. God says, you know, honor your father and your mother, and then your your dad says something stupid, and you're like, heck with that. I'm not gonna honor this guy anymore. Right? He says not to lie at the first instance. When you were young and you had a chance to lie to maybe get out of trouble, you took it. You would you would have eaten the fruit. I mean, <clears throat> you might not have needed the snake. I mean, you are just that broken, right? We 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 don't have self-control. We're broken and we're lost, but we're not left there. Right? That's what I love about what God does, is He seeks and saves that which is lost. In fact, that's what Luke nineteen ten says, right? The Son of Man comes to seek and to save those who are lost. Guys, guys, we have have good news in the midst of the bad news that the world is broken because of sin and your bad decisions. God is still in the business of seeking those who are lost. You want to understand the basics of who you are, the, the foundational thing that makes humanity human. It's that God made you special. He made you unique. He made you purposefully. He created you for a purpose so that you would worship Him, you would serve underneath His design for your life, not your design for your life. You would serve underneath His design for your life, and even though it's broken, and even though it's messed up, God made a way for you while you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While the prodigal son had just turned his nose back towards home, his father was scanning the horizon, waiting for his return, and the prodigal son' father ran to greet him, the wayward child. God is seeking you. And if you've been found, then you've been redeemed and restored. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a holy life today i was talking to someone it was lance walsh at forest grove uh I, I, we have a i was talking to someone we got a lot of churches in rockdale texas and we have a lot of churches in rockdale texas almost uh four times as many as i think we should uh but 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 boy there's some good men and and, and women serving in a variety of capacities in these churches and lance walsh is a friend of mine Pastors Forest Grove, don't leave me to go to Lance, but, but he's a good man. He was in my office, he, they, their church donated to help with Feed Rockdale, praise God for that, and he was in here giving me the check, and then also talking with me about ministry stuff, and you know, it, it, I just, I was so encouraged through visiting with him, but you know, he, he just, he just kind of kept driving home to me like that God is, he, he's, he's restoring things, like it's what he does. And so even though the world's broken, and it is, guys, we live in a broken world, in a lost world, the Son of Man has sought to save us. I hope that you know Jesus today. I hope you do, but but it's possible you don't. It's possible you've been in church your whole life and you don't know Jesus. You might know about him. This was my testimony. I've shared this before many times. I got saved. I walked the aisle when I was seven years old. Walked down the aisle, boom, talked to the pastor, knew the right answers. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, Jesus died for my sins. The pastor met with me, talked with me. He did everything he could to ferret out whether or not it was a false conversion or, or whatever. I just knew the answers to the questions because I've been in church long enough. So I answered all the questions right, went in a tub like that, put me under, brought me up. But I did not know Jesus. I just got wet in a bathtub at the church. That is the entirety of that story. I didn't know Jesus. I knew about him. I could tell you facts about him. I played Bible trivia about him. I went to Sunday school. I called a phone number. I've told you that story, right? There was a a, a lady in McKinney, Texas, where I was when I was young. And I guess she had an answering machine where she would record herself reading Bible stories. This is the best way I can understand it. And I would call her number, because I guess it was a lady at the church. I don't know. And you would listen, and she would tell you a Bible story on the phone. It was so cool. I remember this as a kid. Doing this, That doesn't exist anymore. Of course, phones are a little different now than they were back then as well. I I mean, I was very interested in what God was doing. I was interested in His Word. I was interested in the work of the church. It wasn't until I was 15 years old, though, that I I knew Jesus. That that, that I became like a, a convert to Christianity. The Holy Spirit convicted me of sin and revealed that I was living some sort of like double life. And, and I don't think that that little like, seven-year window of my life, seven, eight-year window of my life where I lived as a Christian, a baptized, I mean, I was a church member, right? Because once you get baptized in Baptist church, I could vote at church functions, right? Uh, but I don't think that, like, there was nothing there was nothing in that for seven or eight years. And then just somewhere, God just spoke to me. Right? And that's the, that's the sovereignty of God. That's the grace of God being poured out specifically to Matt Higginbotham. So I didn't deserve it. I wasn't holy or righteous or good. And guys, if, if your story today is you know a lot about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus, I tell you, there's, it is totally different. I mean, it is night and day different between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. I know this because I knew a lot about Jesus, and then in a moment, God broke me. So if you're here today and you've been in church for 60 years, guys, guys, if that's how long it takes God to break you, if that's how long it takes for the Holy Spirit to truly convict you and convince you of the reality of your sinfulness, your brokenness, your lostness, and how you can't fix it. Right? Dog poop brownies and whatnot. Right? You can't fix it. You only make things worse. But God, right? that's the, the gospel, but God chose and his goodness and kindness to make a way for you. Guys, I want to give you a chance to respond to that gospel today. Christ died for sinners like you. Christ died for hypocrites like you, like me. And I lived a lie, seven years, I made a lie. I lived what I think a lot of Christians live. I was a decent kid going to church, but I didn't know Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus today, my prayer is that God is convicting you of that and will draw you to salvation today. If you want to come down and talk to me about that, we'll have an invitation in just a minute. You may also be here today and you just want to, you want to find a church. Guys, this, this church is led by, yeah, I mean, on my best day, I'm a crooked stick. I'm I'm, I'm on my best day. But I love Jesus Christ. And I want this church to love Jesus Christ. I want us to serve this community. I want us to care for those that God has entrusted to us. And I want us to push back darkness in this town. We can, doing, we can be doing that when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You want to join churches trying to do that, striving to do that? I'd love to welcome you into that fight alongside of me. Maybe you just need to thank God that God made you the way you are. Maybe you've been so bitter and angry about how God made you You've been so frustrated about what God didn't give you, right? And, and you failed to look at all the grace that God has given to you. I was asked uh, a little while ago, "It's like, is that tall kid uh, adopted as well? So I got a son who's 6'6". And I'm like, no, he's, he's supposed to be mine. <laughs> it's supposed to be something in there that's from me. I don't I don't know. Right, and I can look at my six foot six son and think, "Boy, if I was six foot six, I would not be in the NBA right now." But (laughs) you know, like like if if I was this, I remember early in my preaching days, there was guys I would look up to in ministry. Oh, if I only could preach like whoever, right? God made me, and sometimes I've got to stop out there looking at what I'm not. Just praise God for who God made me to be. Some of you are so down on what God made i like, stop. You are made exactly the way God intended you to be. The image that you reflect is God's image. And, And just because you don't like the shape that you are, or just because you don't like the gifts that you have, or just because you don't like the path that you're walking, God made you for this. Celebrate that. And it can be hard, right, to celebrate what God has made that you've taken offense to for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. He doesn't make errors. He's not a, oh, geez, there's, there's Matt. He's kind of messed that one up. He shapes you the way you're supposed to be for his kingdom and its glory. Stop focusing on what you're not. Praise God for what you are. and Then use what God has given you for his kingdom. We need you. I don't need another me. I don't need to disciple a church to look like Matt Higginbotham. I need you to be exactly how God made you to be because this church needs you to fill your spot. But I am not the most musical person on earth, right? But praise God that he has made people to do that. I am so thankful for that. I love music, but you don't want me up here all the time. You're like, oh, no, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Praise God for what God made you to be. And then find a way to utilize that in His service, in His kingdom. I don't know what you need to do today, but this this invitation is going to be for you to respond. Let me pray.